Hey everyone, welcome to Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. I am so very excited that this is our last Tuesday here in August and we are going to have an outstanding show this evening. This is a topic that a lot of people have requested and I'm going to do my very best to be able to answer some questions and have our guests answer questions as we move forward on talking about the forever heartbreak of losing a child. So it is time for the tea. Now this month we have been talking about people coming back from incarceration. We have been talking about dating and Black women. We're talking about the changes that have happened with women's rights as we address the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And last week, we got a chance to talk about the effects of children losing parents and guardians during the COVID experience. So we have a special treat in terms of tonight's topic because it's often something that is very difficult for people to talk about. And so I'm very thankful to my guests that are using their platform to be able to help other parents in their journey of losing a child. So without further ado, let me welcome our guests to the show, Donnie and Latifa Hamilton of the Taylor Morgan Hamilton Foundation, whose mission is to spread awareness about stillbirths through raising money to go toward research and other causes that place stillbirth awareness in the forefront of a broader national conversation. It is their hope that the Taylor Morgan Hamilton Foundation will provide stillbirth parents a safe place to honor their precious children without feeling ashamed or negatively judged. Welcome Donnie and Latifa Hamilton to Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. Thank you, Thank you Dr. For Tarver. <laughs> You are so very welcome. So very welcome. So let's get into it because we got a lot to get to this evening. According to the World Health Organization, a stillbirth is classified as a baby who dies after 28 weeks of pregnancy before or during birth. Approximately 2.6 million stillbirths occur annually, one each 16 seconds, one in 140 births ends in a stillbirth. In 2013, your family experienced a stillbirth. In as much as you're comfortable sharing with the audience, tell us about your pregnancy and the loss of Taylor. Okay, so yes, we did. We lost Taylor 2013. Uh, we lost her actually a week before she was born. Um, we were a week before her due date. She was 36 weeks and uh, she passed. Um, during the pregnancy, I experienced um, Towards the end of it, um, some symptoms of preeclampsia, but I didn't have high blood pressure. So they never characterized as being that. And um, it was just, but I was really swelling up, had a lot of complications towards the end, but they kept saying, oh, that's just normal. It's because it's hot. And because it is, we had her in August. So we were mm -hmm. kind of in the middle of the summer. Um, so I guess they kept contributing to that. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, during that time, a week before she was born, we had some experience of her movements being lessened. Um, they kept saying she was asleep and um, she take, which is true, babies do sleep. But mm -hmm. now that, you know, definitely that we're pushing towards a, a knowledge and awareness, you know, we know that isn't the truth mm -hmm. um, completely. So, um, but yeah, we went to the doctors um, the day before the next day we went, she was gone. So um, that was kind of the sums it up exactly how our experience was during that time immediately when we lost her. So. Yeah. I, I wanna, did you wanna say something? Um, no, she sounded okay. well. Okay. Um, 
I, I want to ask you, we were uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to Dr. Wesley Chambers about women's health in general, as we were talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And he mentioned some of the very same things that you mentioned, that often things will be kind of dismissed as, hey, this is a normal part of pregnancy, um, even though there isn't a history of some things in your, you know, this was your first child. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're not necessarily sure exactly what is going to happen. I think we all do a little reading. We know a little bit. We have family members we talk to, but I think we put a lot of trust in our providers when they say, oh, hey, it's normal. Don't worry about mm -hmm. it. Um, and you alluded to now I know a little different. Now I have more information. Um, before I go further, I think this is a good moment to kind of share. What have you learned since then um, that maybe it would be helpful for people to know uh, about in terms of maybe some warning signs? Uh, well, definitely um, what you just mentioned um, about how healthcare is not saying, well, being your first child, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, we kind of based it off on how, like you said, family members or friends that have pregnancies. And even if they did have a loss, it's not shared. So it's kind of where you're having a new child. That's kind of in the past. So those things, especially too, when someone's having a child, you really don't want to share. Um, sometimes that mm -hmm. stigma is you don't want to share that you've lost a child just because it's such a happy moment. And it mm -hmm. is. Um, but definitely our first child, we really didn't know. We're basing off on TV and what we see and how the pregnancy and the pictures and the gender revealed, which we had all that as well. Um, but the thing is, is that the truth of the matter is that you, every pregnancy is different. Mm -hmm. And I felt that after, especially after you lost Taylor, that I wish that they had treated me differently based, not based on textbook, mm -hmm. but based on individual. And I find that that's kind of where it's lacking, that every pregnancy is not the same. Just because maybe one woman went to 40 weeks or maybe she did not have any complications does not mean the same for the next woman. Um, definitely also race comes into play. As Black women um, or minority women, period, we experience this a lot higher rate than other races. So it doesn't mean that um, something's wrong with us. It just means that there is like some type of disparity or differences between them. So, you know, it's always like healthcare is different or, um, and sometimes it's not healthcare. Um, thanks to my husband, we had pretty good healthcare. Um, but um, I think we were still ignored because is that you don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, definitely now we say, please take control of your health. You, if you feel something different, if something is odd, please, I don't care what time of day. I don't care if you've gone there plenty of times. Cause I think after we had our <laughs> next pregnancy, I was not a basket case, but if I felt anything <laughs> wrong. I think by the end of the pregnancy, they knew who I was, they knew who I named, and you're back again. Yep, I'm back again. So, uh, <laughs> and that's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but you so, know what? I appreciate that realness. Like, you're, I, how could you not be vigilant? Like, yeah. it's probably impossible not to feel some anxiety and worry, like, hey, the first time was my first time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what to ask, I wasn't sure. But this time, I want to make sure that I'm heard and I'm listened to. So I'd rather be um, wrong mm -hmm. and, um, you know, maybe over-exaggerating than I would be in, in a position where I didn't come and attend to it. And then there is actually something that's going on. Yeah. 
Right. And I didn't care if they called me crazy or, or anything of that sort. It was just that. And after a while, I told them, look, you need to check this. And it was like, well, we don't need to. I don't care. You're going to still check this. So it's just I felt like you take control of your care because I think I don't know if the outcome would have been different with Taylor, to be honest, um, mm -hmm. because we're firm believers in that. Honestly, life is just out of our control. Um, but definitely there are things that you can do that may prevent certain things to come about. So definitely what we're doing in terms of the foundation, hopefully that does help. But I would, I would say what I learned um, is to really take ownership of your health is just like with your primary care in mm -hmm. terms of your own physical health. Um, don't let physicians put you in a box, especially your mm -hmm. OBs. Uh, I mean, there were times, and we, we may talk about it later, uh, where I felt a strong yearning to say, hey, let's go somewhere else, so let's do something different during the first time. And me and Latifah just thought that they were telling us the right things, but something inside of me, it just it didn't feel right when she started, you know, swelling up. And um, it just didn't feel right. Um, but maybe I, you should listen to that voice. And if yeah. people have that voice and they're uncomfortable, who cares what the doctors say just go? Mm -hmm. I've told several friends, um, um, even who have babies after us for the first time, if anything you feel uncomfortable with, take ownership and go. Mm -hmm. Don't let them tell you not to come because maybe they're trying to manage workload, manage patients. No, you should be in there and you should kind of be adamant about your own health as a as a uh, as a pregnant woman i've never been pregnant but uh, <laughs> uh she uh latifah she wore me out on uh, the last few pregnancies uh but i guess certainly understand because uh that robbed us of our innocence uh mm. we were innocent and didn't mm. know and mm. it just it robbed us of the innocence of having a first child and a mm. baby to enjoy and it just mm. it just it ripped that joyful experience away from us forever and we were like basket cases for uh, every other pregnancy that followed mm -hmm. let's let's um one i appreciate you also affirming how important it is to advocate for your health because i think a lot of times people don't think that they can um a lot of times think we feel that because this person is a professional that um and, and some people feel like it's almost disrespectful uh, to to request things to go against or or feel maybe disempowered to be able to say mm -hmm. something um, because I may make a suggestion and they say, no, we don't need to do that. Um, and that may be shutting me down and I don't feel like I can advocate for myself. So I'm glad to hear both of you say, no, if you feel something and you're going to feel something, something is not going to feel right. You know your body, you know, um, as as partners, you know each other, like this is different. Um, and being able to listen to that voice. I also want to get into, you started to mention, Donnie, some of the psychological things. Um, like we we were struggling um, because we were robbed of our innocence. Like that is very, I don't know, it's almost, it's almost like it just sits there and it hangs, that statement. We literally were robbed of, this was our first child and we were robbed of that experience. Talk to me about some of the things that you all experienced um, after this loss, uh, I know there are psychological, I know there are financial, the social <laughs> aspects of even talking about some of these things. Um, you know, I know there can be guilt that we feel about, like, we didn't do enough, that I do, like, all of these things. So talk a little bit about, for both of you, what you experienced after the loss. 
start or after the loss, it was just, um, it was something I, that I've never experienced in my life. Um, in fact, Dr. Talbert, it made me, it made me numb to death now. Um, not that I, I'm not compa have compassion or empathy for people who lose someone they love, any loved one, but that, that hurt me to my soul. I've never felt a pain like that in my life. It wasn't, um, sorry if you hear background noise, we have two little uh, active little boys in the background. Hi, so hi little us, ones. <laughs> they may have to, we may have to step, one of us may have to step away. You're fine. Point in time, but um, it just, um, it just struck me at my core. I, 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 it's not a physical pain. Um, it's just my soul. My soul hurt like nothing I've ever uh, felt before. I was so looking forward to having Taylor join our life every week of growth. We were taking uh, pictures um, and everything and just watching the growth and feeling her move and talking to her. And uh, when we lost her, it was like, it was unbelievable. Uh, I could still see the day Latifah laid down. We rushed to the hospital. We were living in Virginia, uh, Arlington at the time. And um just rushed to the hospital because something wasn't right. But then, um, you know, it's like the movie where that nurse comes and rubs your stomach and she's looking kind of weird. And mm -hmm. we're like, yo, what's up? And then uh, she's like, hold on one second. And Latifah's starting to get all panicky. And we're like, hold on, just be calm. And uh, the doctor came in and, you know, right away, you just saw that little heart just sitting there. And I could almost just see Latifah's body like just come off the table and like, oh, my baby. And it, it, it crushed me. Mm -hmm. As a husband, you want to protect your wife. You want to protect your child. It made me feel like I was incapable of doing that because a few days later, we did go to um, the hospital and uh, another hospital in, in Virginia. And they said, do you want us to just watch you and just maybe we got the baby here and we go get the records. And like Latifa said, we said, oh, we got a primary uh, they told us this and that, and it seems like the baby's moving. This was Sunday, and she passed on, what, Tuesday morning? Mm -hmm. And I just I held so much guilt. And even to today, I asked myself, could I have made another decision that would affect the outcome and we would have my, our child? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm a believer, and I, I love the Lord. Uh, I went in, after we lost her, I... I I cursed God. I went in the bathroom. I went to age. I mean, in the bathroom by myself in the hospital, just wanting to just, when you know, when you're swinging the air and just punching the air and um, just so frustrated because I couldn't, nothing could, nothing could settle that pain that I was feeling uh, that I, that I felt nothing could stop it. It was just burning at the core and, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. And it would have been great to have organizations like this to have a father to call or somebody to talk to who had experienced it to kind of help guide me through it initially because I was so angry and um, I fell into a little bit of a depression. I didn't know it was functional because Latifah was so hurt. It almost like a, a moaning grief um, that you just can't explain that she was going through and it. It worried me to go to work. I thought Latifah would do something to her. So she was so depressed. Um, but I had to keep going to work. I had to find even outlets. I I, I do thank God for friends like um, 
the Owars, Elijah and Maya Owar, or Vershawn Tolliver, or people like Jermaine Hannon and his wife, who helped us at the at the time because um, I didn't know what to do. I thought my wife was gonna, I thought she was gonna hurt herself mm -hmm. when I went to work because it was so painful and uh, just trying to hold it together for myself, trying to care for my wife, holding the guilt of I should have made better decisions, can't help her with her pain, having people ask us, the baby here, and you have to say she died. It's mm. just it's just all so much. And as a man, you try to have broad and big shoulders mm. to handle it, but it just it it just beat me down and I didn't I didn't know psychologically how to how to handle it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know that anything prepares you for that. I don't, you know, there wouldn't have been uh, a man training that you would have received in your life to to be able to deal with that. I appreciate you sharing as a man because I do think sometimes the man's voice is not necessarily a voice that's heard um, in this journey. And there is a lot of shame and there is a lot of helplessness. I hear the pain. I still hear the pain. Um, and I, I do think that one of the things that you said was really important, which is like I was I was doing the best I knew how to do. And, I was and then, and, it. <laughs> and then, and I'll, I'll turn it over to Latifa because she went through it. it. I had to see my wife <laughs> birth a baby like a, a baby. She they mm -hmm. gave her epidural, you know, what do they call it, epidural in mm -hmm. your back, and having to watch her labor. And it's so weird, Dr. Tower, because you're excited that you're going to get to see this baby that you've been waiting so long for, but. Mm -hmm the agony of knowing that she's going to come out and you, you feel the joy of wanting to see her, but you know, she's dead. Mm, like that complicated. It's like, it's, it, it is. It's like, I want to see her and I think we both did, but she was going to be <laughs> deceased yeah. when she came out and knowing that a dead baby was sitting inside of your wife. And it's like, get frustrated with the physician, like cut it out, do a cease, get her out mm. of me, sir. We can't, we need to do it the right way. And, it's just you just you feel a little bit out of control. Um, mm -hmm. but then when the baby comes out, you I could still feel Taylor's warmth when they gave her to me when we cut the umbilical cord and just to hear her little flesh just I mean, as we took her footprint, she was still warm. The stool came out just like mm -hmm. a regular baby, just feeling her warm wrinkles and mm -hmm. It, it just, um, I, I, I could just, I could never forget that moment, that picture you have on the uh, slideshow. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they took that off her feet at, at that time. But um, it was just, it was, it was hard because you were thinking about Latifah, you were thinking about the baby. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, this is the last thing I'll say, uh, Latifah held that baby all day. She held Taylor all day. Uh, they almost literally had to rip her away to just take her to the morgue. Mm. At the end of the day, it was hours. And the last thing I felt with Taylor, sort of like felt, it wasn't like porcelain, but I held her one last time before they took her to the morgue. And she, from when they delivered her, she was so warm and I felt her. She was like ice cold. Mm. And it's like the reality of just... Knowing everything, uh, mm -hmm. the events of what was happening and the just having your baby carried away and with a funeral home and just cold and 
It's for something that's incredibly hard to process. Yeah. Trauma. Anyway, it's it's a trauma, so. is what it is. Yeah, Latifa. Uh, well, Donnie pretty much explained <laughs> it all. But um, um, I guess one thing to, to take away from the experience, because he pretty much summed it up how it was that particular day. Um, but mentally, I mean, it does drain you. Um, as Donnie mentioned, with us being Christians, um, I knew that um, it wasn't the end mm. of life. Um, it was the beginning. Uh, it was just not what we had planned. Um, so I think after getting through the experience, and the thing is, is that after we gave birth to her, I was still in the hospital and had to go back in again. Um, so not only did we give birth to her, but that whole week, I think, was also our anniversary, mm. her birth, and then my birthday. So I spent um, my birthday in the hospital, had a lot of complications afterwards, and then ended right back into the hospital right before we, we buried her. Yeah. So um, I didn't, really didn't give you time to really grasp it because it mm. was just my health was, was suffering, um, which honestly is a lot of experiences that a lot of Black women experience a little bit more than other races as well, that we have complications after giving birth. Not only do we lose our child, but we have the complications after birth as well. Um, but so I think after everything pretty much settled down, yes, we had um, we had counseling. Um, we went through two forms of counseling. So we did counseling that his job provided, um, and we also did counseling through church. Okay. Um, because we knew that um, we knew that we understand that God does not orchestrate death. He's not mm -hmm. the author of it, but he does allow things to happen. And we also know that life continues on. Mm -hmm. So I think once I wrap my head around that and understand that I'm going to see her again, yeah. it helped me to get over that initial. Mm -hmm. But like Donnie was explaining, that sting never leaves. Like mm -hmm. you were saying that trauma, that trauma never leaves. Um, so with that being said is how, way I cope with it another way was starting the foundation mm. um I think after they gave me the clear within that six months after giving birth was when I started planning and um I think at that time Donnie did not understand I think he just felt like you know look let's just move on with life but it just wouldn't allow me to mm. one because I always knew that her name had meaning mm. um when we were giving birth to her we named her um, well, no, while we were pregnant with her, we named her. Um, but then, too, um, it was just we didn't have many people to speak to. Or then mm -hmm. when I'm at work, it was some women that were pregnant, thought that it was maybe contagious or mm -hmm. um, it was, what did you do wrong? So mm -hmm. it was like, OK, you already felt that your body failed you. And then you mm -hmm. have someone else telling you, what did you do wrong? So I think I didn't want anyone to ever go through that. I wanted someone to have comfort and to understand that it's okay. There's nothing um, that you did that was wrong. Um, it's just, you know, it's a matter of understanding that you will see your angel again. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's when you shift the other mentality. So you go from that depression to um, healing, mm -hmm. but to know that you never will be completely healed. Yeah. is as if that child takes a piece of you with them. Mm -hmm. um, and like Donnie had said, every pregnancy that we had afterwards, it it took away. We didn't take pictures. 
We didn't mm. have baby showers. No mm. baby we didn't do right. anything. I don't think people really knew that we were expecting until after mm. the baby came. Um, so, wow. you know, and then also too, mm. not every woman can have a baby afterwards. We just didn't, I didn't want, I did not want the foundation too to be settled on that. Okay. You can just have another, mm -hmm. because even after you have another does not take away the fact right. that you still don't have your child here, mm -hmm. but then there's some women that can't, you know, so, um, that pretty much sums up the men mental aspect of it. And, and to, to that point, I didn't want to. I wanted to move on. I don't know if other men are like me or are the partners. You're sharing your experience. I, I, yeah. I was like, let's move on. I need to get past this. And mm -hmm. I don't know if men process it a little bit different than the, the one because she had like, let's get past it. Let's move on. She's gone. I don't want to have to think about this anymore. I do not ever want to have to relive this pain again. And you're mm -hmm. trying to start a foundation and mm -hmm. I got to relive this every single year. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I was, I was resistant. I think I was functionally depressed for yeah, a long time. Yeah, you sound like you were depressed. And it showed up on my job. It wasn't, you didn't notice it, but until years later, maybe a year or two later, I didn't, I didn't really know I was even depressed. But to see your child inside a casket and a vault, being mm. lowered down into a ground before you, mm. I mean, that's a, I guess any parent, any age mm -hmm. that that is quite the experience mm -hmm. and I, you don't even know but i rolled past that funeral home uh, down the street from your grandma's house so many times before we even had the funeral i even went in there to look at her and it i think what tore me and broke me um that day was they said mr helms we, we do have her body but you know it's to a point now if you if you saw her you couldn't take it and mm. because as a result of mm. being in the, you know, and that was, that was yeah, painful they too. They don't embalm babies. So, I did not know that. that. I didn't know they didn't embalm babies. In the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, we have okay. Pennsylvania, although we have Virginia. So, okay. and that's, that's her motif home. That's where Taylor's buried. That's where the walk typically takes, it takes place every year. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I was resistant and, um, it was it was hard, but now nine years in, almost ten years in, I mm -hmm. can see the difference. Even though sometimes I still struggle a little bit because uh, it took a piece of Latifa, it took mm -hmm. a piece of me, mm -hmm. and I almost feel like uh, selfishly sometimes I'm competing to win that wife or Latifa back that didn't experience that agony, agony prior mm. to Taylor because mm. it's our anniversary within six days anniversary mm. Taylor died and then her birthday like it's just mm. all it's of that gets wrapped yeah every year and yeah. you, I can't really sometimes enjoy having my wife to enjoy her anniversary or mm. her birthday because mm. that falls right between right. even though it's a joyful time it's just yeah. Yeah. it's a tough thing so yeah. I mean, I, and I think you all are are just talking about the differences in how we grieve. Um, and you're right, like for everyone, grief is different. And even though you two share this child, your grief about her was very different. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, sometimes we grieve in ways where we're like, I don't, I can't. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to relive it because it's haunting. And the images and the flashbacks that I think initially happened after a trauma, 
um, the nightmares, um, you're reliving things and it's very painful and we don't, we're not taught how to deal with that pain. That's why we don't even have a word for when we lose our children um, because there isn't a word that could sum up the type of pain that you experience. And so I think for Donnie, yeah, you were, the pain was so heavy on you. You were just trying to put some space between you and it. And I think it sounds like for Latifah, the pain was sitting on her so heavy that she needed to do something to focus on something else other than the, the pain. Um, and there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Like we grieve in the ways that we know how to grieve. Uh, nobody would have prepared you for that. And I don't even think if we had learned about it prior to, it, it would hurt any less. Um, it's just that now you're allowing people to be able to have a space to talk about it. Um, so they don't have to feel so alone. Because it sounds like you all felt kind of alone. Even though you were together, you were having somewhat different experiences in your grieving. And so that can feel really lonely. Um, it's interesting because uh, a couple of weeks before we lost Taylor, one of my sister's closest friends had a stillborn. Mm. And I remember she was telling me about it. And I was like, man, I, I like, that's so sad. I don't know what I could do if I ever dealt with that. And, mm. you know, and then it happened to us. Um, so if anything, this experience has made me very sensitive to what other people go through. Not saying I wasn't before but you really can relate. Like when people say that they lost someone, yeah. you really cannot relate to it. Until, and it's not saying you want to go through it because I don't wish this on an enemy mm. at all. Mm. Um, but, you know, it does make you more just sympathetic and, mm. and just being there for them. Um, because honestly, I would have never, ever in my wildest dreams or anything that would, would have happened to us. But you know, definitely it makes you just be more supportive mm -hmm. and understanding mm -hmm. and more loving and just anything you could do. So, you know. Yeah. Let's let's talk in that space for a moment because you all talk about the stages of grief, anger. Um, mm -hmm. Like we do get mad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even though we are believers, like we have conversations with God, like really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, this, I needed to have this particular experience, God, like I, this needed to happen in my life. Like my first, like, so we, we do, we're really angry and we're in a lot of pain and we're hurting. Um, and people aren't always sensitive, as you were saying, Latifah, like you all, yeah. this has helped you all think about things in a different way. Um, but we don't, I don't think we even know how to really talk to people about grief. Like we make trite sayings and expressions, but we struggle to be able to even know. And so I think a lot of times we either say too much or we avoid because it's uncomfortable and we don't want to uh, cause anybody um, to be uncomfortable. What was helpful to you all? You mentioned some friends, Donnie. Um, Latifa, you mentioned starting this foundation. Like I just needed to be able to do something with all this pain. What was helpful to you all in this journey? Mm -hmm. um what was helpful is the counseling mm -hmm. i mean honestly that that was account i think immediately we started um because we know that we needed to get through this mm -hmm. um it's interesting because right after you lost her and you know 
to be honest, when you lose a child or sometimes anyone, but definitely with children, statistics show couples don't stay together. Yeah. It's, it's not a high number at all. Mm -hmm. So I remember my mother saying, you know, if you two make it through this, you can make it through anything. Mm -hmm. um, so it was where we knew that we had to go through it. Um, I think like you had mentioned too, is just we go through different stages. Men grieve differently than women. Um, so I think it was helpful. We went through two forms of counseling, um, being, um, one, like I said, provided by his job. So that was one perspective, but the major perspective was going through the one with our church. Um, actually they were there from the moment we lost her till like even today. Um, so it, that was the most helpful. And then really just after a while, after getting over that hump, knowing that we leaned on each other the most. So um, thank yeah. the Lord. It's nothing but by the grace of him that we did, you know, continue on as a couple and understand that we have a shared experience. We lost our child. So it wasn't his or just mine. It was ours. So it, it really just understanding, leaning on one another, because at the end of the day, we had family and friends that were there to support us, which was awesome. Now, we did lose some friends. I know that not everyone understood. So mm. we lost some mm. because maybe they didn't know what to say or how mm. to be there for us. But at the end of the day, we just needed someone to listen yeah. or really just be there and be patient with us, knowing that we will come back around. But it would just have to be at our timing. Mm. So, But at the end of the day, we had each other, too, mm. and knowing that we went through this together. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that was the most um, support. I mean, my husband, like you said, he put himself aside in order to make sure I was okay. So, um, and then grave later. And I guess why I said he's still grieving now because he really focused on making sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it was months. Um, we were in that, in that closet <laughs> when... Uh, I just don't make it a habit of crying in front of my wife. Um, my man cried Jesus well. Uh, so <laughs> um, it took months afterwards, six, seven months, where I just one day was like, just cried on her shoulder because I just, everything that I was holding in, I just had to let go. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was counseling. I had um, great friends who are great friends today. I, I feel like it hurt, but I feel like God used us, using our testimony with purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't leave Latifah. This thing would not leave Latifah. You just don't know. It, it can cause your marriage to break. Because I'm like, why are you doing that? Arguments? Why do you need to do this? I mean, why do you want to keep throwing my dead child in my face? Like, I mean, I, I was just like, let it, just let it go. Let it go, just didn't understand. Let's move on. I, yeah. I didn't. And I think after that, when we got to that first walk and you see how people supported you and rallied around you, then as years went along, how many people were just silent about stillborn? It mm -hmm. happens to so many people all around us. If they had talked to us the way we're trying to talk to other people, mm -hmm. I, it gives you an opportunity to be proactive about possibly how the end result turns out. I mean, nobody's mm -hmm. the Lord, but it helps you to be educated mm -hmm. and knowledgeable about what could be going on. And yeah. we, we did not have that. Uh, so 
that's why I really appreciate the foundation. And I'm, I'm glad Latifah stuck with what I feel like the Lord placed in her heart mm -hmm. to keep moving forward. And she eventually drug me along. I had people <laughs> at, uh, that I knew, graphic designers, like we did these. Uh, yeah, little, I like the uh, shirts. Shirts and things, mm -hmm. designed those years ago in the first walk and designing the hands, uh, mm -hmm. the, you know, graphically. And um, it was just... It's just a blessing to be able to, to support that vision, like, mm. seriously. Um, but for me, it was friends who had gone through it, mm -hmm. and I knew it, and they were able to just talk to me, and like, you know, it's going to pass, it's going to hurt a long time. Just being able, like Latifah said, to talk to people. Uh, many days, <laughs> she was just, didn't probably feel like talking. You could tell just her soul was just hurt morning mine was too and i maybe like hey babe i'm gonna go see uh some friends and i go over there and just to talk and they were pregnant with twins then and it's like they were so open to let me talk about it without the fear and risk of that happening to them mm -hmm. even being pregnant with twins and i'll never forget that because i needed that because my wife helps me with almost everything but at that moment she she was dealing with so much and i just I needed to be there to support her. And I really didn't have an outlet because people were like, hey, well, you could just have another one. Yeah. That, if you that can is avoid one of the it, most just, unhelpful just things. That, you know? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it is true, but yes. when yeah. people lose a baby, they, no matter they even have children prior mm. to, that's no matter their, their youth or whatever. Mm. That's kind of insensitive to say. Yeah, like people. just don't say that. Don't eat, just take yeah. that out of your I'm mind. not telling people what to say. It's just, uh, I, I will say not, it for you. No. That's okay. Just don't. <laughs> um, but it's important for people to understand that some things, whether they're intentioned in a, in a well-meaning manner, intention doesn't negate impact. Um, how about we focus on where I am right now instead of talking about where I possibly could be? Sometimes I just need to sit in my pain. Yeah. And that's, that's the space that I'm in right now. And, and I, I think the way I grew from that is don't be afraid, don't hold your pain back. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're grieving, I mean, if it's family member, older, younger, baby, let people grieve. Uh, yes. And it's going to take time. Uh, people want you to accelerate it. I was guilty because I grieved one way I wanted my wife to accelerate to mm -hmm. be more like me. But like you said, hers was different. Mm -hmm. uh, process to completely different. So don't rush people in, in their grief or in their mourning process because yeah. they need to get it out because if they don't, they'd be like me holding on to mm -hmm. it for a long time mm -hmm. and then it comes out unexpectedly yeah. or um, negative reactions mm -hmm. that could come off the wrong way when yeah. you, but you need to get it out. But counseling in our community sometimes I, I think it comes with a stigma. I don't need to talk to a shrink. Or mm -hmm. I, I kind of was like that at first, but man, counseling is so refreshing and mm -hmm. relieving. And we still participate in groups. We still have to work hard to keep this uh, together um, and to just keep our own selves upbeat and going, mm -hmm. even still as a result of what happened in 2013. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that realness because I think one of the other myths that people has is like, you'll get over it. The longer time goes, like, you'll be fine, that it won't still, because people don't understand how trauma works. Um, mm -hmm. You don't get over trauma. It is triggering. You yeah. cope with it. Yeah, absolutely. You learn you to learn live with it. Absolutely. With it. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely.
And there are triggers. Uh, I told you, I, I, I officiate basketball um, at all levels. Uh, he, I've been doing it for some years now on the, just on the side. And uh, I told Latifa this year, it's been a few times this year. It's been almost nine years later. And this year, more than anything, I don't know if it's because of different moves or whatever. I officiated a game and there was a little girl on the team named Taylor. It was around eight or nine-year-old girls, and I've officiated a lot of games, a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers or whatever. And when I heard Taylor, 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 it was so hard because you're trying to actively officiate a game mm. and focus. But it never hit me like that, and I felt I felt pain. I wanted to cry mm. uh, like as I was going up and down the court and trying to focus, but mm. it's because my daughter would have been that age and they were little girls trying to mm. throw the ball to each other and it just hit out of the blue mm. yeah. where I was on the train I told you uh riding into the city and I saw a dad come in with a little girl around eight or nine and it, I was random just sitting there trying to wait to go to work and he like was talking to her and kissed her on the head and it just it hit me as like God, mm. I almost wanted to cry it's just mm. it never leaves you it's just mm -hmm. it's random things because even though we lost her at birth that, I mean, maybe your imagination never takes you away to where she would be and how you could be her father or her, I can't speak for Latifah or her mother at that particular age. So it's, it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we call it the forever heartbreak. Yeah. Um, so. I want to make sure that I give you all time to talk about the Taylor Morgan Hamilton Foundation. I know we've been alluding to it throughout this time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I, but I want to give um, give you all that space. You've talked a little bit about um, the the creation of it, but if you all will just speak to how you got here. Well, um, like mentioned, uh, we started. Well, I started six months after we lost her. Um, so um, it hold it every month. Uh, we do a five k event every month. I mean, every year. Excuse me. Um, it happens usually in August, and that's because of it being her birth month. So um, every year we come together, we're raising money for stillbirth awareness, research, education, um, even grieving supports, and we usually pick an organization to support. Um, we have been supporting Star Legacy Foundation for the past nine years. Um, they were the ones that helped us initially when I was looking for just space to be able to understand stillbirth and information, they were the organization that I found the most um, with the most information out there. So um, every year we donate money that we raise through the event and other events to them to kind of just help them spearhead to um, spread awareness. Mm -hmm. And um, so definitely um, also, our space is not just for, although Taylor is the name behind the organization, we also give the space to other parents. Um, so every year, um, parents come and they acknowledge their angels. That's the whole point is to, we say, um, breaking the silence one angel at a time. So it's a time for them to bring, um, to acknowledge their angel, not to be ashamed, to understand that that angel is still a part of your family. And again, that you'll see them again. So um, we usually, we really just focus not only on our tailor, but we focus on them and understand that we love their angels just as well. So 
during the 5Ks events, we usually have a marker that has their baby's name on it. So it gives them a chance to see that their names, their baby's name is written. Because a lot of uh, parents have never have written their child's name mm. after giving birth to them. Mm. They've never seen their baby's name in writing mm. besides maybe on the death certificate. So it gives them a chance to see that, oh, their baby's name is being acknowledged. Um, we do a closing ceremony where we sing the Lord. My mother sings the Lord's prayer. Um, so it's just to understand that although it's something that is so heartbreaking and it's yeah. traumatic that you'll never get over, but it's that moment that you can come yeah. together as a community and acknowledge your angels and they'll understand that you're not alone. Right. Um, and, and we're not alone. I mean, 23,000 babies pass away per year. So that's a lot of families that are affected out of like, uh, and then it's one out of every four women that will go through it. So that's a lot of families that are being affected. So we definitely just want to make sure to know that they're supported, um, that we're here and um, that I'm trying to do all I, I can, or we're trying to do all we can to kind of just make sure that it, it continues on. So that that's, that sums up what the mm -hmm. foundation is about. And you may see the, uh, like I said, you see the giraffes here. Um, a lot of people have helped us along the way um, through sponsorship and just friends who just had a heart to, to help us, or, mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning with the designs. And like I said, fulfill birth motif is actually a uh, vision um, through what it would look like. The giraffe comes from the thing that I felt helped my wife the most was, believe it or not, going to the, the zoo. She does mm -hmm. some weird stuff. <laughs> but it was uh, it was going to the zoo, and I'm like, really? She wanted to go to the zoo. But I was doing everything just so she could be okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always say, whatever you want to do, babe. Mm -hmm. um, so we went to the zoo, and I never just seen her just light up or feel. I never felt that peace over months after losing Taylor until she was feeding giraffes uh, mm. with the leaves. And we would go there and she was like, I feel so, I don't feel, I feel, I don't know if you said you felt peace or it just, it, it warmed her heart. I had not seen her feel so good or smile mm. in a while like that. And she was like, if, if I started this, I wanted to be the giraffe. Cause that's what helped us. I was going to Elmwood Zoo feeding those giraffes, the lettuce. Uh, and it just, it did something. It, it did something to us or for us that day. And as well as the butterflies uh, mm. that you see around it. Uh, every time we see a butterfly, we like, uh, <laughs> we often wonder, so, you know, uh, it reminds us of Taylor and um, just, it's, it's symbolic. So um, that's what you will actually to see in the design, but it's a great foundation for me. I just do what's as needed. She's got a great uh, committee. Um, I carry the boxes, help roll up some t-shirts, <laughs> do what she tells me uh, kind of to, to do when, when I have to do it, a very supportive family. And when you see families at the walk and they just lost a child like last year, I was so touched um, the last few years because people come fresh off losing the, mm. their babies. Mm -hmm. And they come to the walk and you could just, you could see the pain that you know that you've been in that spot. And then they have so many people there with arms open around them mm -hmm. to see their baby's name. Um, and let's, there's no charge or anything for that, but on these signs, 
and they see their baby, they're able to walk around the zoo, we're able to fellowship together and remember the our angels together because Latifah taught me too, she really emphasized in the beginning, still birth, um, the babies were still born. Mm. So to us, even though they're still birth, they're still born, they, they were still born to mm. us and they are still our children and um, we will we will never forget them. So um, I'm just, I mean, I'm so proud of, um, I'm so proud of her and what she's done to raise so much, so much money and support so many families. You, you don't know how many mothers reach out to Latifah for advice and, and comfort. And um, we even got some dads joining committees <laughs> now. Um, so the word is spreading. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to understand what Donnie was mentioning about the, the logo. So butterflies signify stillbirth. Um, so that that was something that we definitely wanted to have that in there. Um, but then the giraffe, the giraffe was Taylor's nursery theme. So that was why we also put that in there um, because her nursery was completed, I think within five months of us being pregnant. So we already had everything mm -hmm. ready to go. Um, and we so still have that giraffe upstairs. We do. I don't understand why, but we still got we still got <laughs> well, that big giraffe upstairs. Well, it's staying with us. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's our so that's our way of watching over you. Oh, exactly. Mm -hmm. okay. See, that's why we need to keep it. Don't put the giraffe in the basement. Uh, <laughs> Transitional <laughs> objects. We yeah. often, <laughs> oftentimes, when we are grieving, we need to have something that helps us in that process. And so, a transitional object like this stuffed giraffe can represent, like you're still here. I think you know one of the things that you all do. Um, sometimes people feel like they're forgotten parents because <laughs> of a stillbirth, so you don't see a child. So you don't think I'm a parent because you don't see a child here. Um, yeah. right. So I think sometimes a transitional object helps remind us, like, I know you were here. And you're still a mom and you're still a dad. Like, that's something that I stress. Yeah. Right. Like, when someone asks us how many kids you have, mm -hmm. I, say, I say three. So, yeah. It's yeah. always three. Mm -hmm. Just one's not here right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, what what helped us to Dr. Tauber is uh, there is a book. I think that term my whole perspective around red heaven is for real. I don't know who told us about that mm -hmm. book, but I, this the Chris my other somebody sent us. That. I think it was my baby sister. <laughs> sent some books and something to read and I start reading Heaven is for Real and there's a part of that book. They made a movie based off of it They did make a movie well. on that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when that child that for a second it was based off a true story had gone to heaven and he came back and when he, even though he was gone for a little while, he experienced let's say heaven. And while he was there was a little girl who was just chasing him. Everywhere he went he's like he saw this little girl and when he came uh, back around and he was one day talking to his mom and the kids, he was uh, describing a little baby. Did, did they say her name? I don't. I don't know. But essentially, the way that she described her, it was it would have been his sister, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, who was, you know, kind of with him and him, who was kept being around him. 
And it, uh, it did something for me uh, at that time and helped me realize that, particularly as a Christian, I want to, first of all, make sure I'm living my right, life right so that I can glorify uh, the Lord. But I want to be able to see, I want to be able to see our child again. I want to live right so that I can see her. It, it's, that loss made me not, I've never feared death, but mm. you all have that uneasiness about mm. it. Uh, but now it's like, that would be an opportunity, yeah. as morbid as it sounds, being absent from the body is being mm. uh, present with, present the, Lord with the Lord and Lord. live right, make it to yeah. heaven. And yeah. I get to be there with her. Uh, me and Latif have talked about not taking days or anything for granted, um, mm. even though we can still do, do better, not take mm -hmm. things for granted because life is not promised. Yeah. Enjoy your children, enjoy the blessing that you have and, and children that you that you do have and um, that our life isn't about us. It, it, I often, Dr. Tauber, Wander asked Latifa, this happened to us and it was devastating, mm -hmm. but could it have happened to someone else and they just not have been able to carry the message for Was Taylor even intended to be born and alive or were we used to carry out God's will with respect mm -hmm. to that foundation being? Yeah started if she were here this maybe this group would not this group would never exist to be able to help other parents so the experience teaches you to live outside of yourself i mean this this woman uh she she lives outside herself she's made me a better man a husband as a result of what she's done through the foundation and i don't even tell her every day but it helps you live outside of yourself mm -hmm. uh, look to others to help them when you're hurting and when you're grieving and in pain because it just helps um it just helps manifest uh, your feelings and your vibes um when you're able to help somebody else helps your spirit absolutely you have spoke sir on some of the helpful things in the grieving process um to be able to find purpose in your heartbreak and it sounds like this foundation has been able to help other people heal, um, to help other people who would have maybe not been able to feel comfortable sharing their pain, um, to, to know that they weren't alone, um, and to be around other people who could understand. Because sometimes we don't know how to talk to people who haven't been through it. Um, but when you know somebody's walked that very lonely path, like it makes a very big difference to see someone. And so we thank Taylor for being able to be the vessel through which you all were able to create this foundation. Um, tell people where they can find out more information about the foundation, donate to the foundation, participate with the foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely. So we do have a presence on Facebook, Instagram, and we do have a website. It's just Taylor Morgan Hamilton Foundation. Um, so that's the handle for all three of them. Uh, so even if you just simply Google it and put her name in, it comes up. Um, we do have um, right now, we just came off of this year's uh, 5K. So really we're in closeout mode, uh, but 
you know, definitely we usually have a lot of uh, posts. Uh, um, we're trying to have more events uh, throughout the year now, instead of just focusing just on the 5K. Um, October is the Pregnancy, Infant, and Loss Month. So usually not only are we uh, trying to push out different events in the areas that focus on pregnancy and infant loss, um, but also hopefully that we can have our own. Um, just a lot of organizations do things during that month as well. So that's what you'll see a lot on the website, along with just ways that we can kind of just come together as a unit or even just share legislatively what's going on. Um, there is a lot of things going on um, within different states. Um, they have now in every state just a certificate of birth that does recognize stillbirth. That's something that we didn't have when we lost her, but now majority of the states do have. Also some states, um, it's very few right now that are doing tax credits um, for stillbirth. So that's something that we are sharing as well. And then there's just initiatives that right now, for instance, there's a um, bill that's on the Senate, hopefully it does pass, but it's a way to reduce. Um, they're doing more research and trying to come up with more research on why does stillbirth happen and how they can reduce it. And that's something on the Senate right now. Um, that's, I think, um, Booker and Robbie are the ones that are doing. So it is a bipartisan bill. Um, there's something that they are pushing to do that as well. So hopefully that gets focused um, because it, like I said, with black women, it's increasing a lot right now. So I'm really hoping that it does pass where we can get more research behind it and more preventive care, um, just so we can have more babies being birthed in this earth alive and with their heart beating. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think it's helpful too for us to participate in research. So I think that's another way that your foundation is is helping is to raise awareness because often we're not participating in studies for you know good reason uh, historically. Um, but yeah, like our 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 presence is needed in order for us to be able to guide the research that's going to benefit us. And, and I think partnerships as a, would help as well. There's a lot of. You have OBGYNs, you have babies delivered in hospitals and women's centers everywhere. It, I often ask the people uh, and talk about uh, the possible opportunity for partnerships with, with our foundation and hospitals and, and multiple cities so you could spread this word. Or we, we heard a moaning mother when it was when we had Donovan. Um, mm -hmm. Just grieve. It just it came back to me what four mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. Uh, she was just moan. You know that moan. You saw that butterfly on that door, and it broke my heart. <laughs> we had our baby; hers was gone. Um, but just partnering with hospitals to say, "Hey, let for them to step up in the healthcare to say, hey, this goes on. Here are resources for you if this happens to you.' And it's not there all the time. But um, in closing, too, I wanted to thank you, Dr. Tarver, because uh, Dr. Tarver and I are fellow Huskers. Um, from the uh, University of Nebraska, and um, we all come together at times for reunions in, in Lincoln, and um, she never knew, but I told her the story years ago, and it must have stayed in her heart for some time because she brought it back around some years, actually years later, and um, I just wanted to thank you, thank you. for interviewing us, uh, too, because um, we're hopeful that it was able to help other families as well, so. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you both. 
Um, you shared a lot of very personal things that you didn't have to. Uh, and one of the ways that you're using your platform is to be able to silence that shame. And so I'm so very thankful for you sharing your story. Um, one of the viewers commented uh, that she's the grandmother of um, a family who lost a child and she sent hearts and hugs to you um, in that journey of grieving. And yes, your, your story, your vulnerability, your transparency, your sharing is going to be able to help someone who didn't also know what to do um, when they were experiencing this kind of pain. So thank you so much for sharing your journey um, on, on this show. Uh, you all have little ones. I've kept you long <laughs> enough. Um, you all take good care of you. Be well. 